Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to episode number 85 of the Basketball Card Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by PWCC. PWCC has nearly 9,000 auctions ending Sunday, including 1,000 basketball lots, over 1,000 basketball lots, an MJ Rookie BGS 9, a Jerry West 1961 Fleer, and a PSA 8, a rare Luca Next Day Auto from his rookie season, and even a 2012 Prism Kobe autograph. All are available this week and ending Sunday at the PWCC Weekly Auction. Guys, it's been a crazy week for me. Um, I'll lead this episode off by saying that I uh, purchased the most expensive, the most valuable card I've ever purchased this week. And so I'll tell a little bit about that story later on in the episode. Um, but before I do that, I want to first give a shout out to um, to Bill, I believe is his first name, Ephus Pitch on Instagram. He and I had a conversation earlier this week that I thought we were just going to be talking for a few minutes. We ended up talking for an hour. I don't want to speak for both of us, but I really enjoyed um, I really enjoyed the conversation. We talked. Um, we a lot of it was stemming from the card porn story, some of the things that are going on with that, and. Just the whole conversation was really helpful. Um, it was enjoyable, productive, smart. I felt like I learned a lot. He's a really bright guy, and um, you don't need to hear me say that. He, I think you guys probably know that anyways, but he's incredibly smart and really enjoyed it. The card porn thing is probably the biggest story um, in the hobby since the pandemic boom. That was one of the things that we talked about, and um, it really is that. Um, exposing the wrongs is important. It's an incredibly important part of this process. Um, and, and I think that that's really important to remember. We need to ensure that the people who are making really poor decisions along the way are held accountable. And um, that's something that I think, again, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think it's something that he feels really strongly about right now. And I applaud him for that. Um, I think those people who continue to shed light on things like that, they remind me of the blowout detective detective agency, the BODA, uh, from the late uh, teens, 2019, 2018. Uh, what they did back in the day was was really an incredibly service to the an incredible service to the hobby. And if if you if you haven't seen it, um, if you go back to the old threads, you'll find some some posts that are really amazing where the detectives, BODA, would take the take a card that existed in a PSA holder, BGS holder, SGC holder, and they would find various elements of the card, um, just like different parts of, of the way that the fibers in the, the, the cardboard, um, the way that they turned out. And they, and they, like we talked about last week with jerseys, and how photo matching can create a fingerprint. Cards largely have a fingerprint too. Not perfectly, um, but for the most part, cards also have a fingerprint, especially older cards with the way that the fibers uh, are together. And, and you can find things on cards and, and look at a card and say definitively based on that fingerprint that a before and an after picture are the same card. Well, the blowout detective agency was able to find literally hundreds of instances where cards were cracked out of old holders and then where they had been resold um, in, a, in a new holder. This um, this is a part of the hobby that 
I think a lot of us wish that we didn't have to think about. And a lot of us would rather just sort of ignore. But it's a really important thing for people, especially people who are new, to understand that these things are real. Just because a card's high graded doesn't mean that that you know it was always in that same condition. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of these cards that that existed in these old holders, and then you could see that they were still the same card because of these fab because of these fibers and these things that sort of let you know for sure one hundred percent that it was the same card. But you could see that like one of the edges was a lot sharper and one of the one of the borders was a little bit more narrow which is clear-cut evidence of trimming no pun intended on the clear-cut part um whenever we have people in the hobby who are doing this sort of work they need to be applauded and so i feel bad that i don't know his name um but the collector who uh, of the game used material who owned or who 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 looked over that 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 jersey that we talked about last week, he is not getting enough credit. Um, part of that might be that it's hard to pronounce his name, or or those of us who are, are less intelligent on these things don't just remember them, don't remember his name off the top. But Darren Revell's gotten a lot of credit as I think he deserves. But at the same time, the the gentleman who found this out, he really deserves the credit, guys. He re- he deserves a tremendous amount of it. And I don't know if we've heard the end of that story. I kind of don't think we have. I think it's going to be one that we're going to hear, hear about for a long time. Um, but um, with that note, um, grateful for, uh, for again, Ephus Pitch's uh, conversation. And um, we're going to go to a break and then talk to you guys about uh, the, biggest, the biggest purchase of my life in the world of sports cards. You've probably heard about Alt, but have you registered for their auction yet? Twice a month, Alt features its Liquid Auctions event, which caters to collectors of all kinds. The platform is super easy to use, connects to your bank in minutes, and provides a super fun bidding experience. What are you waiting for? Register on Alt XYZ today. This is going to be a tricky thing to talk about because (laughs) since I care deeply about posting some of these things on my social, I don't want to talk about what the exact card is, but I think that um, I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about the card. Um, I think that's annoying. I know. Sorry. I know that's annoying, but I want to wait till I have it in hand and, um, you know, be able to to talk about it in that way. But with that said, I think that, that at least for me, sort of using this podcast a little bit as a journal to describe what the process of, of this, um, has been, is going to be valuable. I hope it's, I hope, hope it's helpful for you guys. Um, so, with that said, um, about a month ago, I found out that this card was going to be available. Um, and as I found out that it was going to be available, the other thing that I'll tell you is there was another there was another opportunity um, several months ago where I had the chance at the card, and I've sort of been sad that I missed out on it since then. So it's pretty rare when a card like this um, goes up for sale. You don't get the chance to, to, to get it. And then later, that opportunity comes back to you again. And so, um, you know, when I look at buying a big time item, I have to ask myself a few questions. One of which is, does this make sense financially? Especially when you're talking about a really huge number. But not only that, like even when you're spending a small amount of money, you really always want to make sure, sure that you're not getting burned. It's hard 
anytime when you go buy something and then you realize, oh wow, I overspent double on this, or I even spent $10 more or $20 more, um, it can really be bothersome and really turn you off to the hobby. And so depending on your stage, some of those numbers may be mad, matter more or less, but you have to make sure that from a numbers perspective that it makes sense. The other thing you have to make sure of when, and, and that I had to make sure of in this case was, do I have the stuff that I need to sell or the cash flow that I need to be able to buy the card? And that's, that's a different thing for different people. I have never been a wealthy person. Um, and, you know, that's not fair to say. Like I've, you know, obviously I've, I've done okay, but, um, I want, I want to put this in the right, the right terms. Some people in this hobby have almost limitless wealth or can spend whatever they need to from their own, you know, from their own jobs or whatever. I don't have that. And I've never had that. Um, I, for kids, um, I've never, you know, it might be disappointing to some people, but I've never just been able to toss money around like it's, like it's no big deal. Um, the way that I've been able to grow my collection is through selling cards, um, buying and selling cards. And as the years have gone by, I've done a lot less flipping and a lot more just buying stuff to hang on to it for the long term. A good percentage of my cards I've owned for five or six years, and you can go back and look at the the my top 100 list and see that. I don't spend money from outside my collection. That's been the case for 11 years now. Uh, sorry, 12 years, 12 years ago, 12 and a half years ago, I made the decision to not pull money out of my, um, you know, out of my other funds to help me with my collection. Um, we bought a house and after we bought it, I said, I'm going to take this 10,000 or this $1,000 in cash and this $1,000 that I have left in my collection because I had sold a bunch of my collection. I'm going to take this two grand basically and try to figure out what I can turn it into. And that's what I've been doing for the last for the last almost 13 years and um, it's it's obviously done really well for me and I've been really happy about it but every time I go and I spend a lot of money or have to get rid of a lot of cards which are basically the same thing it's uh it's something that makes me nervous and that I want to make sure that I'm doing the right way so I ask myself that question you know does is this something that my collection really needs is this something that I think I'm buying at a really good price um, and if, if both of those things are true, um, it doesn't have to be like an incredible price. It just has to be reasonable for that current time, by the way. I've clearly overspent on a lot of things. But if those things are both true, then I figure out a way to get the card. And um, I want to talk to you guys about what I had to do to figure out how to pay for the card that I just bought um, here in this next section. I suspect most of you have been on MC Sports Cards items on eBay. At nearly 60,000 positive feedback, they're one of the biggest consignment companies on eBay. What you might not know is that they've started a focus auction for 1K and over items that end Monday nights, and they call it MC Mondays. Dozens of huge cards end on Monday, all at open auction. You could check out the items by searching by seller and going to MC underscore sports cards today. Good job making it to this point in the episode. To me, this is the part of the episode that's the most fun. Figuring out how to pay for things when you're just spending card cash or spending what people talk about as equity in cards is an incredibly difficult process because unless you're somebody who just buys cards just to flip, which I am not, 
the cards that you own are part of they're part of your collection. People talk about like how they have like a PC and they have like other stuff. I just have a collection. That's all I have. I never buy I, I don't open cards, so I don't ever get stuck with stuff I don't want. Sometimes I'll sell stuff for other people. And that's a way that I've had to sell things that, that I don't like. But unless I'm opening cards or, um, you know, I get a huge collection or I do find something where I'm like, okay, I need to buy this and sell it or whatever, I generally don't buy stuff that's not for me anymore. I buy stuff that I like and that I want to own typically for a, for a long time. There's very few things that I buy and I'm like, okay, I'm going to sell that tomorrow. I just don't do it very often. So... Um, you know, what I do is I say, I'm going to, I've got to get rid of, what I, what I did in this situation is I said, I've got to figure out how to raise the money that I need to, to pay for this card. And um, the first thing I figured out is like, okay, I need to find somebody who's willing to help me pay this invoice prior to me actually selling the cards. Um, I've used, I've used several entities to do this before. PWCC is great at doing this. Um, I've used uh, I've used other entities before as well, and it, sometimes it just depends on timing. You can go back and listen to some of my thoughts that I've given on the various consignment companies. I've done several of these podcasts over the years, but in this case, time was of the essence, and I already had some money that was owed to me from MC Sports Cards, and so I reached out to Mike uh, at, at MC Sports Cards and I said, "Hey, here's my situation. I'm looking at buying this card." And if I buy this card, then I'm going to need to be able to pay for it rather quickly. What if we did the following? And so um, Mike, as well as, again, PWCC, Alt, several others, they offer different ways that you can get cash before you actually sell the card. Some people get super nervous about this. And I think you should be super nervous because you never want to be left in a situation where you have more money to pay than you than you thought you were going to, right? So, um, or, so what? basically what I did is I looked at my collection and I said, all right, what do I need to do? How do I raise this money? And then, and then how do I get it to Mike as quickly as I possibly can? This is one of the reasons why my top 100 that I do every year is so important. People always get annoyed at me that I, that I rank my collection by not by my favorite items, but by the value of the items. I think ranking the items by value is interesting because you can argue with it. And having something that is arguable is interesting. It's It makes for better content. If I say this item is my favorite, nobody can argue with that. And from a content perspective, you want to create something that people like sometimes go, I'm not sure I agree or I, you know, I might feel different. You want it to be right down the line if that's the case. So, you know, I look at my top 100 and I say, what is higher up on the list? What is the stuff that I can sell that I don't need in my collection as much? And this is an exceptionally difficult process because there's so many cards that I have where I'm like, I love that card. How, which one do I love more? And it really comes down to some really difficult calls sometimes. In this case, guys, I had to make some really difficult calls. Um, it reminds me of a couple of years ago when I started collecting the Harry Potter stuff because, and I talked about that here on the podcast, it's really difficult to figure out how to move cards that you love for other cards that you love. 
So with the Harry Potter thing, I just looked through and you know find, found the value, and it was the exact same thing, thing here. But if I tell you guys some of the things that, that I'm moving, um, it's going to be tough. And oh, by the way, as part of this, for me, what I was able to work out with MC Sports Cards is I sent them some stuff where if the other stuff that I'm selling doesn't cover the total price, then they'll still have other things that they can sell at the end. But if they don't need it, then those cards will come back to me. So there's some cards that I've sent over there that there's a chance they'll need to be sold, but they're hopefully hopefully I've covered it plenty through through the other stuff, and some of those won't. But some of the cards that for sure are going to get sell, sold. This is really tough. Both of my exquisite LeBrons. Both of them. So I have an 04 autograph patch I bought back in 2016 or 15. 1500 bucks <laughs> graded it a nine it's a beautiful three color with a perfect blue autograph I've had that collect i've had that card in my collection for almost a decade and it's it's gonna go the 08 limited logos which i've said to myself never sell this you'll never get this card back even though it has a highly faded autograph and a bottom quartile patch it's it's one of the best lebron inserts ever made and i know we had a long jeremy and i had a long talk about like whether you call these inserts LeBron doesn't have great inserts. His great inserts are his autograph patches. And so that's a card that I love not because of its, it's not because of, you know, its autographs poor and that's and, and that's still the case and that stuff's important, but when it comes down to it there's there I think there are going to be people who put together the limited logos runs and that is one of the hardest cards to get. And so even if it's not the best example, it is an example and I just hate letting it, letting that go. A dual autograph of Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. From O2 SP Game Used, this is one of the most difficult cards to let go of. Um, I paid $5,500 for this pre-pandemic, and I hate letting it go. I think it's graded in 8.5. I think it should be much higher. That specific card, most of them, um, Kobe's autograph goes off card. Mine stays on. The autograph's a perfect 10. Beautiful blue, well-preserved. Hate to let it go. And then the two biggest cards. <laughs> so I haven't even told you the two biggest ones. And there's like 60 more cards that I haven't even mentioned. Um, but the other two cards, the Kevin Garnett PMG from PMG Championship. Always wanted a high-end 90s KG. Now I got to let it go. And then the Dirk 24 karat gold out of Fleur Brilliance, the rookie card. All those as well as a number of really big-time Harry Potter cards, um, a couple of big jazz cards, a couple of a four really big eminence cards. Um, big stuff, guys. Really hard to let the stuff go. I don't feel great about it. Part of me is telling you from a selfish perspective because they're going up on MC Sports cards. And if you are somebody who listens to this and you have interest in any of those, you can now know where to go get them. Some of them will go live tonight. Today is uh, September 15th. Um, some of them I think will go live later, but you know if you're interested, please go take take a look. Um, I am hopeful that, <laughs> that this helps me to completely pay it off. If not, then I will have to go to the other few cards that I sent to Mike and his team. And <clears throat> excuse me, I really hope that I don't have to do that. With all that said, creating this group of cards to let go, like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be wishy-washy here. These are the cards that I felt from my collection I could most afford to lose. Um, the LeBrons are really rough because this leaves me with only really the LeBron with on the quad with MJ 
uh, Kobe and Garnett. That will be my lone specific Garn uh, LeBron card left. That and the 08 Kobe gold where LeBron's guarding him. And the fact that I only will have those two cards is not something I feel good about. I, I love LeBron and I wish I could have those cards, but sometimes you've got to make some some tough decisions. Um, I, I really didn't want to let go of the Kobe Jordan because that's my only duel of those two. Um, even though Jordan's in a Wizards uniform and that's not perfect, I love that it's I love that it's a playing days card. And again, the fact that mine uh, is one that has both autographs on ca on card and they don't go off the card, where so many of them do. Um, I don't know if people are going to prop properly value that. And the Harry Potter stuff, man, that I'm selling, like I I was um, really going to try to hoard. The very first autograph of Daniel Radcliffe and the very first autograph of Emma Watson. I had two Daniel Radcliffe's, three Emma Watson's. I kept one of each of them, um, but I'm selling two of the Emma Watson's and one of the Daniel Radcliffe's, and so that's really tough. Um, again, selling stuff just really is hard <laughs> as a collector. But part of collecting is trading. That's what I'm doing here. I'm trading 60 cards that I really loved, some a lot more than others, <laughs> for a card that I really, really love. And it'll be a top five card next year on the 27 guy top 100, which will probably have to be the 27 guy top 50 next year after this deal. Um, but I couldn't be more excited. I'm super happy about it. And... Um, and I would encourage all of you guys to always look at your collection and say, what is it missing? My collection was missing one really critical thing. I waited for the opportunity to get it. This is the most critical thing, I should say. I waited for the opportunity to get it. I got it. And now I have to let go of some stuff. And the letting go of stuff is terrible. But but you, but you but sometimes sometimes it's worth evaluating and saying, what do I actually want? And then making it happen. All right, guys. I hope you guys have enjoyed this today. I will give you further updates later on. Certainly watch my Instagram. It'll probably happen over the course of the next couple of weeks. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm all the things. It's the best thing in the world to just be able to collect and have fun with it and change it up every now and then. There's nothing wrong with change. So with all that said, until next time, happy collecting. Thanks for listening to the Basketball Card Podcast. Reminder to subscribe to Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine at bcfmag.com. Remember to use discount code BASKETBALL10 for 10% off any item in the store. That's bcfmag.com.